Hey everyone, welcome back to the Roundtable podcast. I'm delighted to welcome fellow TikToker. It's weird saying TikToker yeah, I actually. <laughs> I never take it seriously. No. Charlie Lawrence. So dude, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be good. So for anyone that doesn't know, give us a 30 second overview of okay. who you are and what you do. Right. So most people will know me from TikTok. Uh, I've been putting out content on there for oh, over a year now. We blew up, get, went from like 403 followers to 300,000 now in like under a year, which is crazy. So everyone kind of knows me as like calling out BS online because there's a lot of it, let's be honest. Yeah. However, I still, to this day, run a successful digital marketing agency. I've been buying digital media, oh my God, 12 years, run the agency for nine spoken at conferences all over the world about digital marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads, and that's kind of the side that a lot of people don't know me for, but that's probably where I have the most expertise because that's just what I've been doing all yeah. my 20s and now into my 30s. I like it. So just for the viewers, so we're going to cover off business, definitely TikTok, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the rapid growth of TikTok, yeah. um, avoiding and ignoring a lot of the bullshit because you hit the nail on the head and starting out in business and the, the risk isn't as big as what we think about it. But what I, what I do like, um, very much like myself, so you started in business before essentially the TikTok took over. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but I'm having that whole thing of, so what is it you do? And you're kind of torn between, oh, what do I say? Sometimes it's just easier to go, I, I, I just say, I do a lot of things. Yeah. So how do you do it? How do you tell people? Oh, I say I'm a content creator, an entrepreneur and content creator. Yeah. That's the way, like, those are the big broad categories that I would use to describe what I do. Yeah. Um yeah, I would say that. I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't really say oh I'm a TikToker. It just sounds the connotations of that don't still in my mind don't sound it doesn't sound serious. Mm. But content creator like yeah, that's serious. Yeah. You can get into that. Well, I think when you say TikToker, you just think of a young person mm -hmm. still dancing. Absolutely. But TikTok is not. TikTok is legitimate, legitimate yeah. and very lucrative, well, business if you set it up that way. Absolutely. As we're going to talk about building out teams and, and stuff like that, which we were just talking about. So you built a business first. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about that first and then we'll merge it into everything else. So I really like the idea of starting out on socials, but having a business in the background that is sustainable. How did you actually start your business? Where did it come from oh, and why? Right. Let's take a little uh, history trip here. So it started, well, actually the agency wasn't my first business. I started my first, first business when I was 19 in app development. This was like 2012. And I remember the day I decided to start that business was because Facebook had just bought Instagram for a billion dollars with 30 million users and like no revenue. And I was like, right, apps, this is going to be it. We can just crush it. I have no coding knowledge, no nothing. Started with a school friend of mine um, and he didn't have any coding knowledge. And we we're just like, oh, how hard is it to learn how to code? Let's figure that out. Absolute shit. <laughs> I'm so, was not my strong suit, was his. So we ran that, basically built that up. But ultimately that business failed because we were students, didn't have a lot of capital, put, capital to put into it. And so then I had this like key decision when I was finishing university, I'd done an internship at a digital marketing agency, became friends with the founder. And he was like, hey, Charlie, I've got this job for you. I was like, okay, cool. So when you leave uni, there's a job lined up. Or I could basically take my experience of growing the app development company and having worked in the digital marketing agency and go, right, let's just 
build my own one at the time. And that's exactly what I did. Didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was 21. Um, I just like fumbled my way forward, basically, yeah. for the first probably four years. It was just me. I wouldn't, it was called an agency, but it was actually, I was a freelancer at the mm. end of the day. Cause like, I didn't have a team around me. I sold it as an agency because that's obviously what clients wanted to hear. I was doing everything. Yeah. Whereas now, obviously we're a team of, what are we now? 15? Yeah. Team of 15 of us split between account management and creative hiring at the moment as well. So, and we've worked with hundreds of brands, scaled them up into multiple six, seven, and eight figures in e-com. Ironically, course creators is a big one. We work with yeah. a lot of really successful course creators that want to kind of use Google ads and Facebook ads to explode their growth. Yeah. So everyone thinks I shit on course creators. Been like, oh, you're creating a course, like that's the only way you're making money. <laughs> but at the heart of it, we're so good at growing course creator businesses. Yeah. Um, because well i mean we need to have a chat we absolutely do. <laughs> we need to have a chat yeah. but what i like and good conversations like this is that it we try and hit home about the message that yeah. business you just said it yourself you were you were this you were the ceo the editor mm. yada yada mm. you were every role in the beginning and one of the things at the moment i'm talking about especially a lot in my program is that in the beginning you've really got to get fundamentals right your network your education mm. to start a business i think when we hear the word business and probably, you know, I, I know I did when I was younger. I don't know if you did, but you automatically think loads of overheads, a lot of staff, yeah. vehicles, fuel cards, office equipment. You kind of overwhelm yourself mm -hmm. um, opposed to taking it step by step. So for those watching, for those thinking, okay, cool, I definitely want to start a business, love the idea of it. What would you say your top tips for kind of getting started are? Oh, keep it as simple as possible to begin with mm. and kind of understand that you are going to wear, unless you have capital to put into it, you are going to wear every single hat in the business. And so you will have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone to try new things that need to be done in order to grow the business and even get it established. And so ultimately, I would say, I mean, I wouldn't go quitting your immediate day job straight away unless you have that financial reserve yeah. where you can live for six to 12 months you've got expenses banked because don't go into starting a new business thinking you're going to make 100 grand in your first month yeah first month first year sorry yeah it's crazy isn't it like yeah. i have i have i'm sure you do all the time how do i how do i invest this amount i do a lot of lives where yeah. i talk a lot around finances and one of the most mm -hmm. common questions is how do I invest this amount of money? What do I spend? What business do I start? And literally, I just counter them. We're going, have you got an emergency maintenance and a floating fund? No, what are they? Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, you've got to start with the basics. I think business is for everyone. There are some people that turn around and say, you can't be an entrepreneur. I, I personally don't buy into that. I think with education, with the right people around you, your mindset opens up to mm -hmm. realizing, oh, I could actually enter this world if I wanted to. Yeah. What's your thoughts on having, I suppose, the gift of the gab, the mindset for it? Do you think it's a limitation or do you think it's more education and the people that you're around? I honestly think it's a combination of the two. I think there is, well, you'll learn pretty quickly whether you have the mindset to keep doing it because mm. it's going to get hard. And I think the biggest trait you probably need is perseverance because there are going to be times when it's extremely stressful, exceptionally difficult, and you will want to give up. Like mm. that will be the innate reaction you have being like, can I still do this? There'll be some imposter, imposter syndrome in there. 
But I think this is the thing. We probably differ a little bit in the sense that I don't think everybody can be a successful entrepreneur purely because if everybody was, you wouldn't have any employees to work for you. And that's just not how capitalism as a whole functions. Yeah. However, that isn't me saying don't give it a go and give it your all and put all your effort into it. But I think there are some people that won't necessarily make that jump into entrepreneurship because they want the security of a nine to five, of employment. They're just not that risk. They, they just don't have that high risk tolerance for it. Mm. Like I know people that work for me, I know some of them would never want to start their own business because of the risks and the stresses that come with it. They're happy and they love to do what they are doing. Yeah. And they don't need the entrepreneurship side of things. So I think it depends on what type of person you are yeah. Because I think there is this balance between, like, naturally for me, I always hated working for people. Yeah. I fucking hated it. Like, I remember the first job I had waiting tables. I was like, what? This is, and being told what to do. I was like 17. So this is dreadful. I want to get out of this. Yeah. And then it was like door to door sales. I was like, okay, great skills to learn, but I only needed something to cushion me for two weeks whilst my MacBook arrived so I could start the app development business. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to keep doing that. And then, I basically was like, I want to forge my own path because if I found a way to be more efficient at something and, and like it didn't fit the mold that that business had prescribed on how you had to do it, mm. it would just cause problems. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I, I felt, that, I felt mm. the same. I feel like because we have so much exposure to this financial freedom yeah. and the luxuries, yeah. I feel people definitely want to enter some entrepreneurship, like mm -hmm. a, a bit of that entrepreneurial spirit. I feel people do want to start a business. Yeah. I think more people are seeing the financial reward, which is not easy to get. Like you yeah. said, and I can totally mirror what you're saying is that it's a graft and there are a lot of failures. You don't earn money um, straight, away, straight mm -hmm. away. I remember Ice Cube, actually, there was a clip of Ice Cube saying, if you're going to start out as an entrepreneur, get comfortable with not not earning much for the Absolutely. first few years. It's totally true. But I think we are shown so much of this luxury lifestyle that it's, it is thought yeah. of, isn't it? Which yeah, why, yeah. you know, in your 100%. content, you do a lot of duets and, and I'm starting to do more as well. So how do we... Or, or what should we say to people who are wanting a little bit more? What's the... What are the... What's the reality behind it, really? Because I think we should maybe touch on a little bit more. There's more downs than there is ups to begin with. Yeah, definitely. It's not all like sunshine and rainbows and Lambos and bottle service and Rolexes that you see online. It's not that easy because um, if it was, everybody would do it. And then like world poverty wouldn't be a thing because like if everyone could just have an abundance of money that they that they needed in their life, everyone would be fine. Yeah. But that's unfortunately not how the world is at the moment. I don't think it ever will be. And so the biggest, probably the biggest lesson is just don't go into it being too naive. I think that's something you learn the more you do, the more mm. you get, uh, particularly younger entrepreneurs that want to start out. Like fortunately when I was starting out, TikTok wasn't a thing. This was like, oh my God, how long ago? I'm 30 now. This was when I was, yeah, like 18. So 12 years ago, TikTok yeah. didn't exist. Like, I still have a, actually, i got a video. i got to show you this. <laughs> All right. So I've been calling out like BS online for not just the last 12 months, for so fucking long, right? You'll laugh at this. There's a load of BS in the world of online marketing. Right. I've been doing this entrepreneur thing. Turn it up. Turn it up, turn it up. 
I want you to look at the time. How long ago was this? Timestamp on it. Look at the top. 2018. Yeah. All of the clients that we work with. Honestly, first of all, look how fucking terrible I am on camera. This was in a. This was in my back bedroom. Oh, I had this little animation going. Yeah. Oh, turn that bit down, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and it was like flashy lifestyle, Lambos. Like when I was that age and growing the agency, what it was was all people on Facebook selling you Facebook ad services. Right. It's like yeah. this is how you're going to make loads of money. It was the hey, it's like the golden era, the heyday of Facebook ads, twenty seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Whereas obviously that's now translated onto TikTok and into things like drop shipping, Amazon FBA, all of those types of side hustles that you see that yeah. there are very successful people doing it, but you just have to be careful who you follow and who you mm. choose to take advice from. But then, uh, do you know what always surprises me? I, I see these videos, ads pop up and I tend to block a lot of them. So yeah. if you are someone that's seeing a lot of ads, you know, and you, you, I think also your gut tells you a lot. Like if you think, yeah. if something's too good to be true, it normally is. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. I see them, not only do I block them, but also... People that buy into it, I do feel, don't have a lot of life experience. It's quite naive yeah. to buy into this stuff because mm. I, I have. I've always trusted my gut and earning quick money, building a business overnight. It doesn't happen. It is consistency. Mm. It's uh, sustainability of a business because that's the other yeah. thing. But on the flip side, there is an abundance to start businesses. I mean, yeah. let's just touch on TikTok. I, I grew my TikTok to now just over 190,000 in just awesome. nine months. Crazy. You've done yours in... Uh, when did we go viral? Like 6th of July last year. Yeah. So almost 12 months, we're at like 300K. Yeah. And we start with 403. This is the thing. It wasn't like, oh, well, I was in a 10K or 20K or I got to 100 and then we kind of grew. We literally grew from... 403 and the way we did it was testing a ridiculous amount of content before yeah. we found a format that just we kind of got i'm going to be honest anyone that goes viral there's a huge component of luck yeah you cannot remove that from the equation just say oh we figured it out and how to do it it's like no you got lucky in yeah. some regard but you often tied it with hard work on in our case testing 154 pieces of content before yeah. we found a format that resonated and then we kind of doubled down on it yeah from that way which is the importance of building out a team like any business yeah. or brand or you know that's the other thing is like is branding the same as a business i think they go hand in hand yeah absolutely. but just like you know julius dean i took a lot from him when i spoke to him but he you know he had these content creator houses mm -hmm. and you're sitting down and it's when I hear the word social media and when I hear people talk about social media, if they're not an active content creator, I really feel that they think that it's like just sitting there scrolling. You're kind of just the word piddling about. You're yeah. not really doing much. Mm -hmm. It's not. I mean, there is, like you say, testing, mm -hmm. quality, quantity, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. high volume, Absolutely. discussing trends, research, yeah. like it's so much that goes into it. And let's face it, uh, and I know you'll know this as well, you put out a huge amount of content but it's not necessarily getting paid a huge amount for the actual content itself. That's it's the true. positioning yep. of where it puts you. How yeah. important has your, do you pay a lot of attention to like your positioning of how you look online? Cause I know I do. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I don't think any content, speak to any content creator and I don't think anyone will say no. Yeah. Cause it, it's gotta be reflective of who you are. It's gotta be in my case, like authentic of like, I'm the same person us chatting as if we were off camera you know, it's not like a personality you put on. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just don't think you can put out content and not be self-critical in that way. Yeah. And the other thing with content as well, 
I know sometimes it can be a ball late. Like, let's face it, recording, if it's mm -hmm. too hot, like I'm going to be doing YouTube videos tomorrow. If it's 26 oh degrees, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. But on the money side of it, there is great money to be earned. Very true. What are you seeing where a lot of your focus is going because of the money? Like, where where are you seeing a real opportunity to earn? Because let's face it, you know, we all want to earn more money. Yeah. And we want to double down in those areas. Where are you kind of focusing things at the moment, both for your business, yeah. but also your content as well? So I'm in a very fortunate position where content creation and that as a business will probably never replace agency income. Like, I don't have to make loads of money from it. Like, I don't, it's not keeping the lights on basically. Yeah. So from that perspective, we can be pretty, we can be very selective with the brands we work with, who we take on, does it align with me? Does it align with you know what's gonna be best for our target audience? Cause we're not kind of relying on that money. It's just gonna be reinvested into content, which yeah. I think is a very different position if you're a full-time content creator and you know your mortgage is due end of month and you're a little bit, you know, cause brand deals can be a little bit up and down and you may be a bit short. So you kind yeah. of take on the one that you think, oh, should I do that? But they're paying you money and, and we know brand deals is very good money um, for what it entails. I don't think anyone who's done a brand deal will say otherwise, but it, it's not, it's just super high margin brand deals, basically. Yeah. Even when you take in expenses compared to, let's say, like agency services that we provide, brand deals are probably 90 plus percent margin, mm. whereas agency stuff's way a lot less than that. Yeah. So for my focus, it's I'm basically seeing the content business as, it's as a separate business yeah. to agency. We've got some secret projects of launching another business. I can't get into, unfortunately, but that's really exciting. I'm launching like a brand new business. I'm not going to be running it. Someone else's, and yeah. that's coming in two, three months, which I'm very excited about. But ultimately, for me, I just want to crack personally long form YouTube. Yeah, that's it. I'm up there with you. That's all I want to do. Like I'm, I'm happy with, with our short form content, Instagram, TikTok. YouTube Shorts just don't care about this. Completely different audience that watches. Like I know people that get lots of views on YouTube Shorts and they build up their subscribers, but when they publish long form content, no one fucking watches it. Yeah, because they're completely separate. Yeah, and I'm just about now. How can we level up to create content to create what I call as defensible content? Mm. So the thing is with online and the internet and TikTok in particular, what we did with reactions can be very easily replicated by a lot of other people. It's not defensible in the yeah. sense because it's just a reaction. Everyone can do it. Yeah. And so the way we want to crack long form YouTube, and I think the only way you can, because it's so competitive and you're competing with eyeballs for Mr. Beast videos, Sidemen videos, you yeah. know, who are just peak, absolute top of the game, spending millions and millions on videos, obviously. We can't do that, but we will overinvest for how much money we get out from the videos in the short term to try and crack it on a level of quality that is so hard to replicate for most 95% of people. Yeah. We're just going all in. Ideas are massive, production's bigger. Everything is just so much bigger because I think that's what's required to really crack long form YouTube. Do you know what I love? If someone was to come in halfway through this conversation, yeah. 
they would have no idea we're talking about YouTube. They would think we are business planning about some like Literally. corporation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is how much that goes into it. it. Is. I mean, I'm up there with you. I would love to crack long form content. Yeah. And it is something that definitely for the rest of the year after I finish my program, it's a massive focus because like Jason Greystone, who's a friend of mine, but also the sponsor for like this podcast is he's nailing long form nice. now and he's earning like you know, he keeps me up yeah, to date, yeah. almost like his motivation and he's absolutely mm -hmm. killing it. And it's mm -hmm. like natural, organic, high value information yeah. that is unique to you. Yeah. And it's just, I think with YouTube, the hardest part is getting started oh, yeah. because you're looking like Iman Gadzi, Ali Abdul, you're looking at all these people thinking, <laughs> yeah. how can I even catch up? Mm -hmm. But I don't, like you say, I don't think it's about catching up. I think mm -hmm. it's about finding your little pocket yeah. because there is a, I just love the fact that YouTube can be such an incredible earner. Like you. Yeah, yeah. It's 100%. You've got your main business. Mm -hmm. That's very much similar to me. It keeps the lights on. It pays for the food. Yeah. This I find, this whole world of social media, I feel like it's a nice, almost like it, it complements what you do. Absolutely. So, you know, I know you can't talk about it, but launching like a new business. Yeah. Do you find that it's easier now as the face, someone who's done you know, many, many views, it just makes it a little bit easier. Like if no yeah. one knew you, yeah, it'd be, yeah. Harder, oh, it'd be way right? difficult. I would say launching this new business is probably 10 times easier now than yeah. it would be if I didn't have an audience on social. The biggest one is attracting talent. Fantastic. There's so many people now that are in my DMs being like, hey, Charlie, I'd love to do video editing for you. I'd love to be an account manager. I'd love to be appointment setter. Like when we're hiring for roles, we have a surplus of talent that wants to work for the businesses. And I think that is hugely underrated. And then I also think the other part is that the connections I've made from growing a personal brand online, mm -hmm. other content creator friends, like unlike digital marketing, content creators are really nice. The yeah. digital marketing industry as a whole is pretty cutthroat. Yeah. Whereas content creators, everyone's in it for almost like the same reason. It's, it's not really super competitive in that regards. Everyone that I've encountered has been, almost everyone I've encountered has been super friendly. It's like open brainstorming, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, like, 100%. Working? And a lot of it feeds from collaborations and that's massive on YouTube. It's like, okay, we're trying to set up some collaborations with people that are growing on YouTube because, you know, that's when Peter McKinnon collaborated with Casey Neistat that skyrocketed Peter McKinnon's channel. And now he's obviously really big on YouTube and so is obviously Casey Neistat. Like, yeah. It's um, it's it's a nicer industry to be in. Yeah. Well, that's right. the power of your network, right? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I talk about, you know, it's where people are trying to get out of a sticky situation, whether that be personally, professionally, financially. I just say, look, just start from the beginning and actually have a look around like who's around you? Like what, what conversations are you having? Yeah. You know, who do you talk to? Like who's in your WhatsApp? Are you just sending mm -hmm. memes or are you talking about ideas? Like is, I find that success as a whole is actually quite simple. There's a lot of consistency, discipline, and I feel yeah. sacrifice is a massive part of success, but I feel it's quite simple. Who's yeah. around you, what you do every day yeah. and being consistent about it and having good values. Yeah. I, I find that's it. Yeah. I don't think it's overcomplicated. What's your thoughts? I would agree. It's fundamentally, are you doing the right thing? Because I think a lot of people can waste time doing things that don't matter, thinking they're the right thing. Yeah. And like, that's probably one of the hardest things to decipher early on when you're building a business. It's like, is this going to move the needle? Is this going to get me more clients? And ultimately in a service-based business, it's like, am I landing more phone calls? Mm. Am I landing more discovery calls to land clients? Like if it doesn't drive towards that, 
at the start, don't do anything else. Yeah. Like you've got to get off the ground. I think the network thing is really interesting because I think you have to surround yourself with good people mm. because there's many a successful, like from growing up, I grew up um, privileged, white, male, middle class, went to private school. <laughs> like I had all, I didn't have a lot of hardships growing up, if I'm honest. Um, and so we were in that network of... I genuinely thought that was going down a joke road then. <laughs> no. I, you wouldn't, I love that. Honestly, I was waiting for a punchline. No, no, there's no punchline. You wouldn't... Love that. You wouldn't know that because I'm not a fucking stuck up ass, basically. But <laughs> the network we had growing up and like family, friends and stuff, they were CEOs of FTSE 10 companies. They were mds of investment banks like super successful people in corporate or world leading scientists all this kind of stuff um but they were all nice people and i think you've got to be careful with who you surround yourself with because there are just some fucking horrible people out there yeah. which you will encounter as you grow a business because not everyone has the purest of intentions even if you do mm. doesn't mean they will and i think the more you network and the more you speak to people and the more you can kind of read people and understand their intentions, the better you are at spotting that. Yeah. I just think that's one caveat to it because there are some people that will kind of rip your throat out to get ahead. You learn to smell the bullshit. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you normally learn to smell the bullshit in business by actually being burnt. You mm -hmm. normally normally get a smack oh on the face. Oh my God, yes. Life's the, busiest, uh, yeah. the biggest teacher, right? A hundred percent. I would second... And for anyone watching, successful and wealthy people aren't all pompous, suck-up idiots. Like, no. a lot of rich people are actually really nice. That's yeah. the God's honest truth. But in England, it's like, oh, he's rich, he's like screwed, it's and a... he's miserable. No, actually, a lot of rich people who have got hundreds of millions, actually, they're really nice. That's the fact. Yeah, yeah. I think there's this idea that in order to be financially successful, you'd have to have, you have to have fucked someone over to get there <laughs> in the UK. Whereas in yeah. America, it's completely different. They're like... Totally different. They're like, um, American dream, anyone can be successful. In the UK, it's like, if you're driving a nice car, someone will look at it and go, oh, but you fucked someone over to get that. Like, whose money is that? come from and it's just like yeah. no you, you can't just be a good person work hard and be successful and not be a knob yeah totally it, it takes more effort to be an arsehole but the saying goes if you give an arsehole more money it, the result is you get a bigger arsehole it's very simple that, that, i love that that is very you true. Know, I know, I know i know someone who goes out to alpha Lee, um you know every year that person but they go out to alpha Lee, and the difference is you know like in their gyms out there, like content creators who have done very well in the fitness industry, they're all like, they're willing to share like mm -hmm. low level sort of like profiles. They don't care. They'll share you on their profiles. They've got like blue tick, hundreds of thousands of followers mm -hmm. and they're just all proactive and like, yeah, you know, how can I do business? It's like, I went to a David Lloyd's by the way, for like the first time, a friend of mine who's the manager, he invited me and like did a day there. I was blown away by the way, because I go to an old school bodybuilders gym yeah, yeah. Right, as you can tell yeah, yeah. and uh, you know busting out the t-shirt but uh -huh. <laughs> this david lloyd's and i couldn't believe they have all these sections like pods meeting rooms and i okay. and then it's pretty much like america though the fitness mm. industry where you can go there not only physically develop yourself but mm. then you're straight into like business mode go into a pod have a meeting like it's so yeah, productive yeah and that environment I, I just really stress to people, especially when I'm doing lives, is like get around good people. You don't even have to have the business yeah. model. Mm -hmm. If you're around, let's put it this way. If I had no business model idea, 
but I spent a week with you. I guarantee you by the end of the week, I'd probably have some form of a business oh, yeah. idea. 100%. Hey everyone, this podcast was kindly sponsored by Shield, who helped us deliver this podcast along with all the social media that goes with it, helping us to get out to more people, which leaves us just a focus on creating more great conversations. If you want to start, delegate or optimize your social media or a podcast, or even if you want to build your very own online course or program, get in touch with the team at shieldglobal.io. So where, where do people start? And, and what's your views on cutting family members off, friends? Like, what's oh, your views? Well, fucking hell, right. Here we go. Mum, dad, don't watch this one. Uh, no, <laughs> mum and dad, you're fine, okay? <laughs> Family's all fine. No problems. Friends, though. Yeah. Oh, I've had to cut some people out of my life, friendship-wise. I've had some toxic friendships that really got me into, like, a negative headspace around it that I had to just have a difficult conversation. But personally, I was young. I was in my mid-20s. So I had to, um, I left it way too long to have difficult conversations. Mm. And I think that's one thing that if you're not naturally somewhat combative in that regard, you, you've just got to learn to have difficult conversations. I think Alex Homozi said this best in one of his um, latest kind of talks he did was the things you want or like the great outcomes you're looking for within your business are often the other side or at the end of difficult conversations. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's very true. And you can like, when you take that perspective and not just think about it from business, but you think about everyone around you, you then say, okay, maybe I do have to kind of audit a little bit who I'm hanging around with. Like when I have some kind of success, are people actually happy for me or are they just the first to mention, oh, but I've had this, I've done this. You know, the person who just, you know, you've been to Tenerife, they've been to Eleventh. You got a black cat, I've got a panther. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, the thing is, I I struggle sometimes to understand when these excuses come up. Oh, I can't cut them off. You know, but do you know what? This is funny. So as, as you were explaining your childhood, I, I pretty much had the complete opposite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I spent most of my life as a skinhead. Mm -hmm. I was a very different person a long time yeah. ago. I used to hang around with very different people. I used to like a bit of trouble. And um, parents have never had money. We didn't have a lot. And so, but I've never had the trouble in cutting people off. Like when mm. I had my son, that was my light bulb moment to go, I need to fucking change now. Oh, like yeah. that was my, that was my, that was kind of like pull the finger out. But I've never made excuses. Mm. I, last year had a lot of failures, lost a lot of deals, lost a lot of revenue. This year's a good year. But I, I've never made an excuse. I've never gone, oh, it's because of him. No. Oh, it's because of her. No. Oh, well, the market's crap. It irritates me yeah. to the high heavens and back. When people make excuses, I haven't got time. Oh, fucking. I haven't got this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> like, how do you deal with it? I, I, I struggle to yeah. listen to people with excuses. I do. I find it difficult in the sense that it's, I think probably one of the hardest things to acknowledge is this idea that if you take full control of every single decision in your life and just own it, like, you know, um, the tube was late or whatever. Oh yeah, but if you'd woken up 10 minutes earlier, you could have caught, caught the earlier one and you'd be fine. Yeah. It's like, just take full ownership of every single component of your life and stop giving people, stop having like a external locus of control and, and have an internal one. You are just gonna massively improve your life in yeah. every way, shape or form. And I think the only way you do that is to just say, take one action at a time. Like just, if it's, you've got to say no to something. If you always say yes to stuff, you just, just say no, just see how it feels. Yeah. 
And then the more, it's like reps at the gym. The more reps you do, the stronger you're going to get. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to bench 100 kg straight away if you've never set foot in the gym. Yeah. But, you know, if you put in the reps every week, every month, every year, eventually you can work your way up to yeah. that. Well, growth happens when you're uncomfortable. That's the truth of it. You know, when we yeah. talk about stress, again, another excuse that will come up, especially with people who are very reserved around starting something of their own mm -hmm. and, you know, going into the deep end is, but if it doesn't work out or, you know, it's very risky or I, I, I personally wouldn't do that. If you actually really, you know, sort yeah. of break it down to the, the bare bones of it, actually step by step, I like what you said. I kind of live by that. If you just do what you can today, there's no point worrying about yesterday. I never, no. because that's gone. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when you take full ownership, and this is a big part actually in my program, is is accountability. When you take full ownership, uh, not only can you have a full fulfillment of mm -hmm. successes, mm -hmm. but also I feel like you can move on from failures. And I feel that if you don't blame other people, you can, uh, your bounce back time is far quicker. You can go, yeah, okay. I could have I could have got the train earlier. Mm -hmm. I didn't. It's fine. Next time I know, I'll move on. Yeah. Rather than put it on everyone else. I think that's the problem. We're in a world where one of the common ones is why well, I don't have time. I don't know what your views on <laughs> you don't have time. Did you have time to start your business? How how did you find the time to start uh, everything you do now? Well, this is the thing. When I started the agency, I was um I had loads of time but no money. Like zero, zero money, loads of fucking time. So I could devote as much time to it as I, as I could basically. I mean, I got a part-time job, obviously that filled up some of my time, but then the rest of it, it was evenings, weekends. And in the first couple of years of growing the agency, like I didn't take a, I did it to the detriment of my physical health where you didn't take a holiday, didn't take any time off for like two years. But then that's what was required at the time to get it to a point where I could then kind of take a couple of breaths and be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Because I remember there was one time, um, what was our rent back then? Like 750 quid a month was like, I moved into rented with Ellie. She was still a student as well. Um, you're doing second degree? Yeah, second optometry degree. Um, and so I remember I had 250 pounds coming in, but 750 pounds just on rent going out. And I was like, mm. fuck. Um, I'm just going to be burning money here. This is this is not a sustainable way. So then it's just, you just find, you have to find the fear. This is probably the best yeah, way I'll put it. You've got to find the fear. If you're just in a, in a comfortable environment and, you know, and this, this is what happens. I'm going to probably piss some people off by saying this. This is what happens for a lot of very successful people's kids who don't necessarily have to have the same level of drive that their parents did if they didn't come from anything and work their way up to be successful. You know, it's the classic like rich kid just go on holiday type shit and yeah. like doss about, maybe, you know, Lose sit in money. between you. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. You yeah. know, dad's paying for the mortgage or the rent or like I had friends that their parents would give them 300 grand for a house, for like a house deposit. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? My yeah. parents didn't, my parents don't give me shit. Yeah. So um, it goes back to this idea that the biggest kind of element to it is that you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. I think that's probably the biggest mental shift you have to make. And yeah. particularly if you're going from employment to then starting something on the side and then having this key moment in your life where you quit your job and you go all in, that's going to be exceptionally uncomfortable. And you just have to 
I want to say you have to try and mentally prepare for that, but nothing, no amount of conversations with people will prepare you for that. And I would very, it's very similar to having a kid. Yeah. When I had my son, we'll see almost two, like two years ago, no matter how many conversations you have, people being like, oh yeah, but this and this and this, you get there, you have, I think that's probably the biggest experience of your life that, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And then you just figure it out. Well, I think there's a nice word here. To be successful and to really propel yourself into something, I think the terminology, if you've ever had squeaky bum time. Yes, that's it. I think it. squeaky bum it. time will make yeah, yeah. you do things you had no 100%. idea that you could do. Build a business, make yeah. more money. When your back's against the wall and you get mm -hmm. squeaky bum time, that's yeah. when you pull your yeah, finger yeah. out. And something will either come to fruition. I mean, I've had that many a time. I, I am someone, some people, by the way, can't, deal with that pressure yeah which i understand but mm -hmm. i do feel it's a pressure you learn to deal with i tend to thrive when my back's against the wall because mm -hmm. you know you need to do something yeah and then i feel like you can analyze okay what did i actually do then that worked that's yeah. what i i tend to do do you do a lot of like evaluating because i'll get to like quarterly mm -hmm. and i tend to look back through personal life and business and go what went well this year and what did I do? Like with content, you sit yeah. down, you review 100%. it. And, you know, I know you. we talk about teams soon. Yeah, yeah. But like tomorrow, I'm going to sit down with my editor, go over the content that's worked recently. How can we tweak it? How can we be different? Um, how often do you review just like personal life and yeah. business life? Do you do it? Oh, absolutely. I think you, again, you just can't not do it if you want to keep making ground, you want to keep moving forward because... The way I see things is that in business, at least, we review monthly, quarterly, and then annually. And then it's kind of, you then set your goals, you do goal setting. And this was something I didn't do early days into the business, that as we've grown a team and as we're kind of setting the direction of where we want to go and building a bigger organization, you have to do that because otherwise it won't function properly and won't get to that next level of growth without it. Mm -hmm. There's just no two ways. Yeah. So it's not like a... Just, like if you just decide not to do it, you'll just slowly see things implode. Yeah. Um, and you'll just, you know, mistakes will be made and things won't be tracked where they need to be. So you, I think one of the most important things is having a meticulous attention to detail. I think I have that naturally. I'm very much a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, you know, like like yourself, so you just adjust in the yeah. light just before we're starting. I was like, yeah, it's it's got to be almost perfect, but don't let that like... You know, analysis paralysis, whereas you overanalyze and then you take no action. You have yeah. to take action from the analysis Just that you do. do. Just, yeah. And that's the other thing. What holds a lot of people back is, look, I think when it comes down to some people want to change their life personally. And when I talk about this stuff, it's because I don't know about you, but I get DMs. I get mm -hmm. like, you know, you can't reply to everyone, but no. you kind of you get a feeling of what. Yeah, that's why I do surveys so I can yeah. understand people. But you get a feeling of people are having their own issues. And I think step by step, living in the moment, doing the doing the daily tasks, being uh, disciplined, the routine, but not worrying about what other people think. I feel that that is probably one of the biggest dream killers. Is oh my god, yeah. Oh, if I do this, if I put out that content, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Do you have? I've I've had it in the past. People go, oh, you, you talk right. about that a lot, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's anyone going to do? The best example of this. And by all means, I think everyone should do this at least once in their life, is it's not necessarily the trolls you get from organic content. That's one thing, right? The worst kind, when you serve Facebook ads and Instagram ads to people 
and they get so offended by seeing your ad in their feed and they're like, what are you doing in my fucking feed? And like the troll comments that me and agency owner friends have had when we're like, you know, cause we're the face of the agency actively pushing that business forward through campaigns are some of the hilarious, uh, most hilarious comments you'll ever see. And like, you gotta have a bit of a thick skin. You absolutely can't just, like, troll comments to me don't fucking bother me yeah. at all in any way, shape or form. I don't think they ever did. This is the thing. It wasn't like, oh, that really that one comment really got to me. You just got to fucking ignore it. Thick um, skin. Exactly. And also, you just got to think about what is going on in that person's life for them to feel the need to comment that. So can I can I summarize? Yeah. Trolls and haters, this is my image of them. Sitting on a sofa, <laughs> very much like the chicken man at Toy Story 2. <laughs> yeah. Sitting in Y-fronts, yeah. slightly overweight, mm -hmm. cheesy what's-it fingers. Mm -hmm. And bit down, bitten down fingernails. That's what I imagine trolls and haters to yeah. be like. Literally, that's all. That's, all, I mean, that's, that's the image that comes into my head. That's probably very true because at the end <laughs> of the, you just got to think about um, if you're positive in your life and you are not horrible to people and you're a nice person, you will never feel the need to troll someone. No. So you always like it's. I always see it as a reflection of self. Of, yeah. That person may be having a shit day. Maybe something's gone on in their life. They're obviously not happy with where they are in their life or what they're doing because they feel they have to tear someone else down to, to in order to get a kick out of it or yeah. a reaction out of it. Um, so I feel a little bit, if I'm honest, I feel a little bit sorry for them. Yeah, it definitely is. a little is. bit desperate. There was, I can't remember who said it, um, did a perfect quote about it. I can't remember who it was, but they were really diving into the psychology of people who are jealous and mm. the real terminology behind jealous people. Yeah. And you can't be jealous. Like, for example, you know, I, I don't know too much about your personal life, but I can't be jealous about you having something that I never want. Yeah. You know, I, I have no... I have no I have no desire at this moment in time to have your trainers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are nice trainers. They got, don't get me wrong. They've got, they've got some flair. Those. They've got yeah, some flair. Yeah. But I don't have the desire to have no. your trainers. Therefore, I'm neither envious or jealous of your trainers. I'm yeah. happy that you have your trainers. Yeah. Vice versa. So when you see these comments, I feel like it's a inner subconscious of mm. someone actually that is a little bit bitter and jealous. Yeah, which that's very true. Leads me on to a point, actually. I want to get your take on this. I've spoken about it before. I think it's a very interesting one. Everyone has different takes. We are in a world where I certainly know many of them. They're hitting the midlife crisis. Mm. The midlife crisis, which quite frankly is early 20s now. I was about to say, <laughs> it's not a midlife crisis. It's a mid-20s crisis. Out the womb crisis. A hundred percent. Why is it? I have my take. Why do you think people go through a, a dilemma at a certain age? I think if you're working a very traditional traditional role a lot of people have midlife crisis crises because the opportunities available to people now are so different to let's say someone in their mid-40s yeah um they couldn't have built a business purely online at my age yeah uh it would have been exceptionally difficult it, well in fact i don't even think you could even do it you know if you were what early 20s beginning of the 2000s like, good luck. That's going to be really, unless you're in like tech and dot-com bubble and all this stuff. But I think most people have a midlife crisis because they probably acknowledge or recognize that they're not necessarily happy with what they've done or where they are right now. And so they want to kind of fill some kind of void with something. Mm. Most people, it's like they'll buy a Porsche. 
Yeah. Or they'll buy they'll buy a sports car or they'll I have. I notice you have a Porsche. I, I do mean, have a Porsche. Is, yeah, is yeah. he going through something right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you've opened I, that one. I have opened that one right yeah. up. No, I do have a Porsche and I absolutely love it and it's the best thing I ever bought. Um, however, I'm really into my cars. This is the thing. Yeah. And I absolutely love them. And I know that's one of many I'm going to be buying because um, I used to not like 911s. I used to think they're all the same. They look all the same. And then you drive a Porsche and then you do realize, oh, fuck, they're so good. I feel like it's going to be hard to drive anything else. And, you know, you can ask my wife over there. I didn't really like driving until I had the Porsche because I just I wasn't that bothered about it. And now yeah. I pretty much exclusively drive that car. Well, you do a lot of content in it. I mean, you want to be Mate, in that baby. Yeah, 100%. I have Number to one, say. the lighting is phenomenal. It's got panoramic roof. Like, yeah. It's solid. <laughs> I mean, I'm, but, I'm not a car person, but I do yeah. love Porsches. They're great. They yeah. are really good. It depends on what you like. This is the thing. So for me, it's I like nice cars and I like really nice food. I don't care that much. I don't like like alcohol and wine and stuff. Doesn't yeah. don't even like it. Um, so that doesn't bother me. Or some people are really into clothes, like H and M t shirt, Primark jeans. Yes, I'm wearing a pair of Yeezys. Dude, I'm rocking Primark shorts. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm rocking a pair of Yeezys, but this was through what I call my irresponsible phase when I made some money and I just thought, oh, let's just buy some stuff. And so I, I think in like the space of a couple of months, I bought five pairs of Yeezys. And I was like, I was like, this is looking, and they, the stupidest thing is they were just in boxes in a garage, didn't even wear them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I should probably get some wear out of these. And then some, you know. Some people think that's the most hideous shoe you've ever seen in your life. Do you know what? But, I love 270s. I've got quite narrow feet, but yeah, I love got, 270s. I've got yeah, yeah. five pairs of 270s. and See, that's the thing. When you find, I'm very much like when I find something I like, I'll buy a lot of it. So for yeah. me, it's ultra boosts. Like I love ultra boosts. I have loads of different pairs. I've got a narrow foot as well. So I'm like, that. they snug. Perfect. We're in a crew. Yeah. We're in a crew. I don't meet many people with narrow feet. Let's start a group. We need a narrow... This is a company. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is a the, shoe company. The narrow feet shoe company, basically. <laughs> you know, for like the 10 people with narrow feet in the country. Yeah, literally. But we'll um, just charge a premium. Right? Yeah. We'll make the best shoes for people with narrow Sold feet. Sold on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok but, shop. But no, I think materialistic things, I think you can waste money or you can find something 100%. you really like. But you've got to get to a stage where, you know, when you're starting something, again, money management, it's like build the business first, yeah. you know, pump yeah, the yeah. money back in. 100%. And you touched on it earlier, you know, get yourself set up financially. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, I just can't stress it enough. Is like have the buffers there to yeah. be able to do it because yeah. jumping in the deep end with no money and, you know, look, I know them as well. I know people who drive these Audis, Mercedes, nice BMs. But but they can't really pay for it. Like mm. you know, when shit hits the fan, all four new tires, they're going back home. Yeah, yeah. Mum, oh. fucking, I need the you know the continentals on them. Literally, the car needs new tires, right? It's like twelve hundred quid for new tires. It's like yeah, you know, I wouldn't have made that decision to buy that car when I couldn't financially afford it. Yeah, because it's irresponsible, and I don't think there's very good financial management advice out there. Um, well, I mean, number one, they are not teaching it in school any way, shape or form, university, nothing. Mm. Absolutely not. So you're there to kind of fend for yourself and, you know, sift through all of these finance people, uh, finance content creators online um, about what to do. Yeah. Everyone says, oh, yeah, you should definitely invest in a S&P 500 tracker fund. Yeah. And it's like, don't bother doing that if you, you know, lost your job and you couldn't pay for two months of rent. Yeah. Like you fuck that shit. You don't need yeah. that right now. Yeah. Like focus on, I think the biggest thing is building a safety net yeah. of cash that you can deploy if everything goes wrong 
and your world implodes, like you're not going to get stuff repossessed and really have your credit score negatively affected. Because once you do, that's so difficult to build back up and takes years and years and years. I think that's what most people don't realize is that a couple of missed payments on something has a huge detrimental inf- impact on who you are to a bank or to a lender yeah. and how risky you are as a person. But but you know what surprises me? I had a debate on one of my lives recently. I mean, it got, say it got heated, but we were on a back and forth. A guy was trying to tell me that financial advisors are so well informed. My advice is, if you need financial advice, you do not go to a financial advisor. You do, you do some basic education for yourself. Emergency fund, maintenance, yeah. floating fund, cash yeah. reserves, yeah. and then you do the basics. You don't need a financial advisor to put you into government coupons and no. uh, loan notes that are going to pay them high amounts of commission. No. It, it, it amazes me how other people are so quick to pay someone else to tell them what is available on the internet. Google it. Google it. Honestly. But, but, but again, jumping back to excuses, why don't people take the responsibility and the accountability yeah. to change their life, yeah. to change their finances? I think keeping up with the Joneses is one of the problems. Ooh, yeah. One million percent, yes. Let me ask you a question, Charlie. Go on. Let me just stop that. Are you going to Dubai? <laughs> I've never been to Dubai. <laughs> but are you going to Dubai? I, I'm not even joking, right? I've spoken to a couple of friends that have set up their companies in Dubai for tax reasons. And there is something very appealing about not paying any corporation tax, any VAT, any personal yeah. income tax, because you will, like we will save a shit ton of money. Yeah. And then, but then it's like, uh, do I really want to have to live in Dubai? Mm. Do I want to have to visit Dubai loads? Yeah. Like, do I want to just fall into that kind of trap of like, oh, I'm one of those little like Dubai wankers that's like resident issues coming back yeah yeah there's there's that as well um i did have a holiday book for dubai but covid absolutely shut that shit right down yeah which was a shame because i was looking forward to it supposed to be really nice yeah um my personal trainer goes to dubai quite a lot uh and he says it's wicked so again but but Dubai has become a. I know. Look, the tax thing's great, especially yeah. when we've got MPs and ministers literally rinsing um, yeah. tax fraud and everything like that, and God knows what else. But apart from that, it's like almost just conforming to the norm now. Like Dubai yeah. has become a real thing. Yeah. And everyone's, you know, I was talking to a guy I know, he's quite a young lad, he's quite influential, and um, he wants to, all he wants to do is live in Dubai. I don't know if he's gonna. I don't think it changes mm. your life. Oh no! I don't. I don't, I don't think you suddenly you have this no, entrepreneurial no. network. No, I think you'll just realise how poor you are in Dubai because <laughs> yeah, there will be possibly. people astronomically wealthier than you. Yeah, um, that you'll be around, and I like it's a tricky one because personally, like I've got family now. Could we move to Dubai for a couple of years before my son starts school? Yeah, we could. Do I want to? Not really. Am I just better off putting all my efforts into? you know, making more money in the UK, paying my fair share of tax because we use the public services that tax pays for and just, you know, not giving a shit really what other people think or what other people are doing in their life. Because I think it comes back to what you said of you've really got to just not care what other people think. Mm. I think that's a very, that's a skill that takes a while 
to really get good at and, yeah. and to properly learn. And yeah, you just do that with more experience. It does. And I think if you listen to too many people who are of a negative mindset, someone who maybe doesn't see eye to eye, maybe it doesn't yeah. have the same values, maybe doesn't want the self-development, maybe the mm -hmm. growth, maybe you hit the nail on the head. I was going to touch on it is, you know, I use the frame baby boomers. I, <laughs> I did a video saying, you know, I literally do have uh, content friends who have really monetized into mm -hmm. a fully scalable uh, business who are doing the 20 to 30K revenue a month because mm. it's sustainable, it's been built. Um, my God, the amount of baby boomers that were going, well, load rubbish, absolute nonsense. Show me. Boomers Show are me. the funniest. Show me. Honestly. It's, believe it or not, I don't literally, yeah, I, yeah, I lose yeah. no sleep. Yeah. This is, this is what happens when a generation of people realize, actually, it's easier to start a business than ever before. It's easier to... It's easier to make money than ever before. Yeah. That is definitely true. I don't think many people disagree with that, with what's available. Um, you know, like influencers are a thing and they're exceptionally successful, very well-paid influencers that are making hundreds of millions every year. Yeah. For creating content on the internet and then selling physical products or services um, to their audience. And boomers are just in a generation where because they didn't grow up with the internet, they can't physically wrap their head around that. And I remember that when I was speaking to my mother-in-law when we were doing, started to do really good money in the agency. And she was just like, oh my God, that's insane. It's like, how, how are you doing that? Mm. And I was like, yeah, because we're providing a service and people are paying us for this service and we're making them more money than they're paying us. Yeah. And that was, that's essentially what marketing services are. Yeah. Like you make your clients more money and they pay you a certain amount of the money but it's like us looking back at people in the 70s and 80s who could have a 100% mortgage and, and were buying property up left, right, oh, center. And before started anyone starts, this 100% mortgage, it doesn't exist. There's literally so many hurdles. I don't know You've a single person who's, who's even been approved for 100% mortgage. 100% mortgages, this whole new thing, 2023, do does it, not exist. I'm going to see all the comments coming through on this one, but I've not seen it. It's a decision as well. So, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Um, but... It, like you say, there is a massive jump in between yeah. the opportunity now, but I think people just need to understand the fundamentals have not changed yeah. to building a successful business. No. Charlie, sort of as we just come to a close, dude, what's your top tip for people going into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. uh, trying to make a little bit more money, doing it the right way and, and you know, having this whole sort of, don't worry about what other people think. What's your kind of top tip, just generalising? Top tip, okay. I would say you just got to take action. I mean, that is the most like bullshitty, oh, just take action and do it, like surface level thing. But fundamentally, if you're thinking about launching a business or starting a business or even starting a side hustle, take that first step into whatever that first thing you need to do is at the mm -hmm. end of the day. If it's, you know, starting to create content, get your phone out and start practicing creating content and putting it out, putting out there, knowing your first lot of videos are going to be shit. Everyone knows that. And then the other thing is just persevere. That's probably the biggest thing. Don't go into it blind thinking you're going to make loads of money because you're not straight away. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be the hardest. It will be the hardest thing you've ever done in your whole life. Mm. There's no two ways about it. But at the end of the day, if you like the game you're playing, then that is no problem whatsoever Yeah. in the sense that like, if you're doing something and every day you're like, oh, I don't like this, don't like this, don't like this. Eventually it's going to wear, wear you down and then eventually you'll quit if you don't yeah. have that mindset. Yeah. So just, just fucking do it. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, just stop talking about it. Stop telling your friends about it and your family. Just take action on it. Cons like you said, the biggest thing, consistently and then keep doing it. Yeah. And I think that Tim Ferriss had the best quote here. It was, if you're going to play the game, play it for the long term. Mm. you got to be. And I think also, you know, don't tell too many people about your plans. Just get on with it and let let it yeah. come to fruition. Let people see your actions more so than than the words. Let, let just yeah. get on and do it, and and let people actually see what you bring to life. Yeah, I think the results that, speak for themselves. Yeah, Frank Sinatra said it perfectly, and I, I love this one. Is the best form of revenge is success. You know, <laughs> revenge like in that. the nice way is what we're saying. But <laughs> yeah. everyone who has watched Charlie can't thank you enough, dude. Thank you, man. Um, all of Charlie's links will be in the description. And just before we go, just so you know what we're up to as soon as this camera is finished, we're, we're going to be chasing. I think me and you need to get this fly because there is a fly going around. It's the been studio. landing on the mic a couple of uh, times. <laughs> you know, a fly will be hurt in this production. So <laughs> anyway, everyone who's watched, thanks so much. And we'll Thank see you all very soon.